0: We're not like high-fiving and shaking and hugging, but you can at least say hi to those around you, before you as you take your seat. And those of you watching at home, it uh, might be the first time you've spoken to your spouse this morning. I don't know. I hope not, but just say hi to them. <laughs> it's good to see you guys. So good to be with you. Appreciate you, worship team. Thank you so much for your hearts today and your gifts. Well, listen, let's transition into the Word today. I'm going to invite you to two places to kind of jump start us today in the New Testament, second Peter chapter two, or excuse me, second Peter chapter one, and then Hebrews chapter two, second Peter chapter one, and then Hebrews chapter two as you're getting there in your Bibles, your apps or whatever you're using today, I want to say hi, welcome all those online watching today It's so good to be have you with us here. Uh, those of you who are unable and haven't been able to make it back yet we we just say you're missed, deeply missed. Uh, there's just nothing like being able to be together. And, um, and so we'd love for you to join us uh, soon, hopefully very soon you'll make that uh, step back. But those of you who are here, we welcome you this morning to New Life Church. So glad you guys are with us today. If you're just kind of catching up to us, uh, we have been in a sermon series called Foundations. And we've been looking at Um, basically the tenets of faith of New Life Church, doctrines that we hold as truth and uh, approaching them uh, in hopes that in a way that's more relational and not just more dogmatic type approach to the scripture, but it's more uh, approachable through relationship the way God wants to relate to us and how he wants us to relate to him. And we've covered quite a few of them so far. We've covered the Bible as the authoritative word of God. Uh, we covered uh, the Trinity, the Godhead. Uh, we've covered uh, man's original sin and redemption and sanctification. And last week we covered uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, today we're going to look at uh, two things. We're going to look at water baptism and communion. Uh, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to actually partake in either one of those physically here today. Uh, we, um, but we do have a game plan uh, on the horizon for the church to be able to come back to taking the, the Lord's t- uh, coming to the Lord's table together very soon, and I'll talk about that here uh, at the end. But uh, I've titled today's message "Mark My Life." Mark My Life. Let's look at this these few scriptures here. Second Peter chapter one verse twelve. Peter writes. He says, "Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them." and are standing firm in the truth that you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. The writer of Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says, So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. These two writers coming to us, letting us know that, hey, Peter, saying, I'm reminding you of the truth. And I'm going to continually to remind you of the truth. And as in Hebrews adds in, we must listen carefully to the truth that we are hearing so that we don't drift away spiritually. To drift means to deviate uh, from a set course due to some external circumstances that might be in play, to deviate. Uh, I don't know how many of you use your GPS system, especially if you're traveling somewhere, uh, maybe to an unfamiliar place. Um, Almost every smartphone has those. A lot of newer vehicles have them built in or what have you. But GPS, um, you know, basically that voice will tell you as you set the destination. And if you Perhaps get off track a little bit. You deviate from the path it had outlined for you. That voice, whichever voice you choose to speak back to you uh, in that app, will tell you basically what? Return to the root. Proceed 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 to the root. Proceed. And it, it, you either listen to it or you ignore it. Or you just turn the thing off. And depending on if you know more than it, then you probably will just turn it off. Um, uh, but it will proceed, tell you to proceed to the route. And if you stay off course, it will say rerouting, rerouting, <laughs> rerouting. And, uh, and a lot of the newer highways these days have those, those things on the side. If you, if, you, if you deviate, if you drift off the highway, it's got those little bumps I don't know what they call those, uh, but it makes a, 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 just a loud, obnoxious sound. You can even hear it if another car in front of you or behind you gets off of it. And if someone's sleeping in your vehicle and you do that, they will jump straight out probably, most likely. And it's not a fun prank to pr- play on people, especially when they're asleep like that, but it can be a good laugh. But anyway, uh, that, that, those, are, those are warning signs because your car is drifting, it's drifting, and same with God's word—the truth of God's word that Peter is talking about, that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. I'm constantly going to remind you of the truth, so that you don't drift. Uh, it's not to insult our intelligence, uh, when you know, bec- to, for that, because I-, I know for a lot of us can be that way when we repeat ourselves to other people, uh, especially to our kids. Uh, we want it to stick right i 't with children, those of you with younger kids you you seem like you tell them a thousand times the same thing and uh and then in hopes that it 's that it 's going to stick and then when you see it play out you 're like yes it 's happening, and then they come up to you and they say so and so told me to do this and you're like i've been telling you that for like 5 years to do that and it took someone else to tell you that it just so happens the repetitiveness of telling them the truth the good news is that it will stick and it's and again that's what the idea here and, and again the idea of coming through a series like this that we're taking some time on to talk about some things perhaps you already know hopefully most of us know a lot of these things but here's the here's the approach that we need to have to the truth, to be humble, to listen, amen, so that we don't drift, so that we don't drift. And, you know, topics like what we're going to talk about today, water baptism and communion, I know probably most of us here and online watching, you've heard it, you know it, no need to repeat it, right? I I get that, I get that, but it's a good thing to be reminded To be reminded of of this, so that we don't drift. And so, here's the thing about about water baptism and communion. They are two sacred acts of worship that Jesus demonstrated. That was by His example that we have. That He left us to tell, and He has told us to follow in His steps, to follow in His pattern, if you will. These are two acts of of worship that define the Christian faith. Not out of a religious obligation, but more out of a relationship that one would have with the Lord. And so you can look at the baptism of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3. He writes about that. And uh, it was the first thing that Jesus did publicly. first thing he did publicly to show of a joining of a, of a relationship, to display the joining of a relationship with God. And then communion, can read about it in a few of the Gospels. Matthew's uh, Gospel in chapter 26, you can read about it there, and how it, that was the last thing Jesus did privately with his 12 disciples to display a, the, the continuation of the journey of a relationship with God. So baptism in the beginning, communion in the end, And we're going to look at these two things and how these two things mark our life with and for Christ. I just want to talk about three thoughts today uh, in the time we have. Three marks of Christ on our life through baptism and through communion. All right, so roll with me on this. Number one, Christ marks our life with purpose. Through baptism, Christ marks our life with purpose. Jesus' baptism again in Matthew's gospel chapter three, he writes about it, describes it that when Jesus comes out of the waters that John baptized to men, said the heavens opened up, and it said the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove, and then a voice spoke from heaven as we know to be God the Father, speaking loud and said, This is my son that I love and in whom I am well pleased. I mean what a baptism that was. I mean, if you're going to have one, Jesus is going to have one, and and then we don't have the thunderous voices per se today. At least I've not been in one yet, uh, where there was the audible voice of God. I don't know if anybody else has or not, but I have not. I've had the privilege of baptizing a lot of people over the course of my uh, journey so far. It's been a privilege to be able to do that. And but God's voice as it spoke then has echoed through the ages to us today that when we surrender our life to Jesus and we and we get water baptized and we 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 become we make our, our faith public and we let people know, hey, I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm not going to turn back to who I used to be, but I'm going to go forward into the future that God has made for me and has created for me in Christ Jesus. God stamps his love in our life, just like he did in Jesus' life there. And he echoes with that, that same sentiment to us today. Hey, you are loved. You are mine. You belong to me. And I am well pleased in you. We didn't do a thing to earn it. We couldn't do a thing to get it. We can't do a thing to keep it. God just has so much love for us. And he wants us to know that. That his love for us is not going to change. He just wants us to clue in on the fact of how much he loves us. And he says that. He says, you are mine. You belong to me. I am well pleased with you. And I love you. When we become born again and we get water baptized, we begin to see... That purpose follows baptism. I want to show you a picture. Uh, About 29 years ago, that that guy in the white t-shirt—that's me. Um, That was 20 October of this year. Will be 29 years when I got baptized. It's crazy. I don't look a day over 21, do I? If you look at the back of my hair right here, I'm showing you something. The pastor there that baptized me, Pastor Harold Matheny, or we used to call him Brother Harold Matheny, that was in a Nazarene church in West Memphis, Arkansas. It's crazy. But that pastor, Brother Harold Matheny, baptized me October of 1991. It's crazy. Long time ago. He just recently passed away a couple of of weeks ago. Uh, uh, Read about his passing. And, uh, but it starts to make you think and kind of reminisce a little bit when you hear stories like that and you, you see old pictures like this. Uh, my, my mother just recently handed me a, a ton of, uh, keepsakes, uh, that she had that she has enjoyed and she said it was time to pass them on to me. So one of those was, was the, this picture here, uh, of me getting water baptized. And little did I know, uh, 29, almost 29 years ago, that, uh, God would want me to do what I'm doing today. Uh, I, I was so shy, so so deeply uh, insecure, so deeply broken, so deeply unsure of myself, so, so, so uns- clueless about lots of things, and did not think there was any way God would love me the way He loved me. Didn't think I deserved His love. Uh, and some days, the truth is, I still battle that at 29 years later. I, I have a few moments here and there where I still, if I'm going to be honest with you, that I still have this wondering, why would you love me so much, God? I seem to let you down so much. And I didn't know, didn't, you know, look back. Obviously, hindsight's 2020, 20, but looking ahead back then, you didn't, I didn't have a clue. I didn't even think that something like this would be possible. He gave me my first sermon. It was the Sunday that the youth would lead service, and we have those here uh, every year. And I was given the, 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 uh, the responsibility to preach the Word that day. They gave me 15 minutes. They gave me 15 minutes. You know how long I preached? So blow you away. Five minutes. <laughs> Five minutes. I blew through that. I did the topic of the ABCs of salvation. I blew through that thing in five minutes, man. I probably rehearsed it a hundred times with my parents. And I blew through it in five minutes. It's crazy. Now I get like 30, 35 minutes. Sometimes I go way too long. But I didn't know at that time that purpose would follow my baptism. Purpose follows baptism. You see that in Jesus' life. Purpose followed his baptism. He got baptized, and then in the next chapter in Matthew 4, it said the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness for 40 days, and in that time he was tempted by the devil, and he came out, and the, and, and the angels came and, and, and attended unto him, and then it said he was anointed by the Holy Spirit with power and began to go and preach the good news. You began to see purpose follows baptism. You see that in the Great Commission. Look at this in Matthew 28. Jesus' final words uh, to his disciples. He says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he said this, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. Mark's gospel writes it this way in Mark 16, verse 15. It said, go into the world, preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. In verse 20 it says, and the disciples went everywhere and they preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Purpose follows baptism. You see that practiced throughout the New Testament church. I've got 32 examples. You ready? I'm kidding. I've got three. You see this at the beginning of the church in Acts 2 verse 41. Peter preached his first sermon a whole lot better than I did. because And look, 3,000 people got saved. It's amazing. 3,000 people were, said they, they believed what Peter said. They were baptized. They were added to the church. And then verse 42, and all of them, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing of meals and including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. You see that these 3,000 people devoted themselves to the purpose of spiritual community and discipleship. Purpose follows baptism. A few chapters over, chapter 8. The church is growing like crazy, persecution has come upon the scene, the people, the people of God are being scattered all around the known world, and one guy in particular named Philip, who was an evangelist, went out to preach in Samaria, and look at what happened. Verse 12 says, now the people believe Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, as a result, many men and women were baptized, Verse 13, then Simon, not Simon Peter, but Simon the sorcerer, a magician, an evil person, said he himself believed and was baptized. Then look what happened. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and the great miracles that Philip performed. Purpose follows baptism. And then, famous one, chapter 9 of Acts, a man named Saul turned Paul Verse 17 says this, Ananias went and he found Saul. He laid his hands on him and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. He got up. He was baptized. Then he ate some food and got his strength back. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And then verse 20, immediately he began preaching about Jesus. Purpose follows baptism. It's amazing. Some of us might not think God can ever truly do anything amazing in our life. And I'm not talking about being famous. I'm not talking about being known by the world. I'm talking about being faithful wherever God places us. That each of us has unique plans that God has crafted for each one of our life. But inside of those unique plans, there is a unified purpose. And that is for God to be glorified in our life. That is for God to be glorified in our life. Scripture tells us whatever we find ourselves to do, do it to glorify God. Do it to glorify God. There is purpose that Christ marks our life with. When we give ourselves to Jesus. When we humble ourselves to Him. When we surrender our life to the Lord. When we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. Man, we become different. We become different. Let's look at that. The second mark that Christ makes in our life. Christ marks my life with provision. Not just the provision we may think of. In terms of natural things there's a greater provision that Christ provides. Baptism is really about immersion into an identity with Jesus. That's really what that comes down to. We go into the water, we identify with Jesus' death. We go through the water, we identify with Jesus' burial. We come out of the water and we identify with Jesus' resurrection. Romans 6, fantastic letter Paul writes, explains it well. I don't want to talk about an Old Testament example. I want to talk about the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 14 coming out of the bondage of Egypt. It's a type in a shadow of a believer coming out of a life of sin and death and darkness and this world system and entering into the freedom and forgiveness and the light and the life of Jesus Christ. You know, looking at pictures like this and seeing them, you know, I have never forgotten that. I can still hear, uh, there's another picture that my mother had that, that, that he's, uh, he and I are kind of laughing a little bit. I can hear that, that pastor's laugh in my ear today, in my mind today. It's, it's, it's amazing there's, there was those, those marks that Christ makes that at just the right time you need to remember them. At just the right time you can recall them back to memory for a reason. Exodus 14, Israel is leaving Egypt. Pharaoh has had enough of the plagues. He said, told them to go. Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of darkness, and headed towards their promised land into a life of light and light, a whole, a whole new way of living. And here's the thing, you got Egypt, then Pharaoh changes his mind after they're headed out. He s- pulls his army out and he says, let's go after them. And as they're pursuing Israel, Israel's faced with the Red Sea in front of them. And then on ahead of them is the promised land. And so you've got this picture, you've got Israel, Egypt behind them, the Red Sea in front of them, and the promised land just ahead of them. Well, the story, as we know, goes that God parted the Red Sea. Israel walked through on dry ground. That's important to point out because it wasn't muddy. It wasn't slushy. Their feet didn't sink in. It was dry as they walked across. As they were walking across, Egypt, Pharaoh sends his army in after Israel into the Red Sea. They, Israel gets across safely and through safely onto the other side. God closes up the Red Sea on the army of Egypt and Pharaoh's army, and they're, they're dead. They're wiped out. And so here's, here's what, what's going on. God divides our past, what was, from our present, what is, so that what is ahead can be reality, so that we can move forward into our future, what will, what will be. So here's the thing. Israel pursue, or excuse me, Egypt pursued them, our past will try to pursue us. Our past will try to pursue us. Every so often, things from my past will pop up in my mind. I don't know about you, but it's like, I know that's not who I used to be. I know I don't behave like I used to. Why do these things keep popping back up into my mind? Our past will try To pop up in our life and pursue us like Egypt did Israel. But like them, it won't capture us again. Our past will try to paralyze us. You see, as as Israel got across to the other side throughout some of their seasons, they were complaining and they were telling Moses, you know, it was actually better back there, back in Egypt. The past was like calling out to them and was, was trying to paralyze them from moving forward to get them to think, hey, you actually had it better back then. I don't know why our past does that to us. Our past tries to paralyze, paralyze us to, think, to make us think that, man, there was something good back there. But it's a false reality. It's, it's not true. And our past, like Egypt, will try to follow us into the water but it will not follow us out of the water. Egypt was unable to follow them out. That was their past. God made sure that he was going to put a a distinct, defining mark on Israel's life, that their past would try to pursue them, their their past might try to paralyze them, their past would try to catch up to them, but their past would not overtake them. And that is the good news that you and I have in Jesus Christ. Because in Jesus, our past passes away. Check this verse out. It's one of my favorite ones. 2 Corinthians 5.17 out of the New King James says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, I love that, if anyone, any one of us, any one of us, think about it. God does not hold any favors over people. It's anyone, anyone who is in Christ. Red and yellow, black and white, we're all precious in His sight. anyone, anyone in Christ, He is a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new. When we get water baptized, that is the funeral for our past. I know we're not keen on funerals, but that is one of the best ones, to go to a water baptism. Because it's the recognition that God is saying, your past has passed away, and I have created a whole new future for you. You are now a brand new creation in me. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Here's the thing about Christ and what he, how he marks our life with provision. Christ provides for us what we can't. Christ provides for us what we can't. I can't save myself. But Christ rescues. I cannot forgive myself. Christ redeems. I cannot free myself but Christ delivers. I cannot clean myself up, but Christ keeps me. Christ provides for us what we are unable to provide for ourselves. Only Jesus can do that. And when we come to faith in Jesus and we become water-baptized, we become marked, not only with, his, with a purpose, but we also become marked with His provision as a reminder as we move forward in our life that, hey, I didn't pay this price, Jesus did. I didn't make this sacrifice, Jesus did. I can't forgive my sins, Jesus did. I can't heal my life, Jesus does. I can't set myself free, but Jesus can. I can't make myself whole, but Jesus can. I can't make myself change, but Jesus can. I can't make people believe in me, but Jesus can. I can't make people see the real me, but Jesus can. I can't become a better husband, but Jesus can make me become one. I can't become a better wife, but Jesus can make me become one. I can't become a better student in the Lord, but Jesus can make me one. I can't become a closer follower on my own, but Jesus closes the gap, and Jesus does the work, and Jesus brings it all around, and Jesus makes it possible. When we go into the water, we go through the water, and we come out of the water. We identify with Jesus, that he saves, that he delivers, that he forgives, that he heals, that he makes whole, that my life makes sense, because only Jesus can bring it all together for me and in me. Jesus provides what I can't. And number three, you guys want the last one? Okay. Christ marks my life perpetually. He marks my life with purpose. He marks my life with provision. And He marks my life perpetually through communion. It's the last private act that Jesus did with His disciples. The last thing He did to display of the journey... Of the relationship that we can have with God. Let's look at this in Matthew 26. It says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it. For this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and he said, each of you drink from it. For this is my blood which confirms the new covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Luke and Paul go on to write the words that Jesus had said in doing this. To do this often to remember me. To do this often to remember me. In other words, to do this continually. To do this perpetually in your life often to remember Jesus and what he was doing. He took the bread and he broke it. He's saying, hey, I'm breaking myself for you to make your broken life whole again. And he said, I'm giving. He took the bread and he gave it to them. And he said, look, I want you to take this bread. Because I want to offer myself to you. I'm giving myself to you. Take it. Accept me in this. Eat it. Let me fill your life. Let me be the one to satisfy. You eat bread before a meal or during a meal. What happens? You get pretty full pretty quick, right? It's a trick at the restaurants. So you'll order all that you ordered and all that you forgot about and you have to take it home or what have you. But it's good. Bread's good. I like bread. It. I eat lots of bread. I like bread. Especially with butter. I like certain butter. It's good. I like the kind that's soft. You know, you don't have to work at trying to make it spread, but it just spreads. You know, I don't like to work on my food. I like my food to work in me. I like to feel the effect of the food I'm eating in a good way. Bread. Jesus is the bread of life, and he says, I'm giving myself, I want you to fill yourself with me, because I want to affect your life. I want to affect your life. He took the cup, he said, look, I'm giving you this cup, I'm offering you redemption. I'm offering you redemption, but drink it, because I want you to taste what it is feels like to be forgiven anybody like having anything held over their head held against them no wow we like clean slates right you like you like to have stuff held over you we'll have to talk to you brother but a clean slate having a clean slate we like to have our conscience clean right and that's what jesus does he says taste this i want you to taste redemption this cup is the cup of the new covenant. It's my blood offered for the forgiveness of, of your sins. And this is the last private act they had with his 12 disciples. and even had it with the one who was going to betray him. You know, and he said, do this often to remember me. Every time we eat the cu- or eat the bread and drink from the cup, it's a perpetual reminder that Jesus has changed my life. It's a perpetual reminder when we eat the bread and drink from the cup, Jesus has changed my life. There's a story in the Old Testament about King David and a man named Mephibosheth. David had become king of Israel, was taken over, doing his thing, ruling for a while. And he asked one of his servants, he said, Hey, is there anyone still left from, from Saul's family that I can show Kindness to. And they said, Well, there's one, his name's Mephibosheth. It's actually Jonathan's son. Jonathan was David's basically just best friend back in the day. He was the only living relative left, Mephibosheth. And they said, Where's, where's Mephibosheth living these days? And they said, Well, he's living in a place called Lodabar, which has a meaning parched, pastureless, barren place. Mephibosheth is living out in a pastureless, parched, barren place. He said, hey, can you go get him and bring him here? So they make, a, they make plans, they get, get Mephibosheth and bring him to the palace. Well, he's obviously freaked out because the way things were handled back then, prior royalty, family, would be wiped out when the new ones took over. And you can see there the story, the, the wars that happened, the struggles that, that were going on. And, but David said, Mephibosheth, you're Jonathan's son. He said, look, you don't have to be afraid anymore because as the king, I'm about to change your life. I'm going to have you eat with me continually at my table. In fact, I'm going to give you your own land, give you your own servants. But you're always going to be able to eat at the king's table. Table continually. Can you see the picture that every time Mephibosheth... Now, here's the thing with Mephibosheth, too. He was crippled. He couldn't work. He couldn't do any labor. Because, you see, when his nurse who was watching him, his caretaker at the time who was watching him when he was younger, found out about the battle with Saul and Jonathan, and when they died, she was running away quickly with him, and she dropped him. And he became crippled. David was changing this man's life forever, giving him servants who could wait on him and produce for him and giving him a table that he could always be reminded of that his life is no longer barren and parched, but he can eat freely from the king's table. See every time Jesus said, "Hey, eat the bread and drink from the cup often to remember me were reminded, Jesus. Has changed my life. Jesus has changed my life. And that is one of the things that Jesus tells us to do continually so that we will continually, perpetually be marked by the evidence of Christ in our life. Hebrews tells us hey, listen carefully to the truth. So that you don't drift. Because we have a tendency. To take scenic routes. We have a tendency to get off track. We have a tendency to take detours. We have a tendency to be tempted. We have a tendency. To just get off track sometimes. To drift. That's why we have to constantly be reminded of the truth. It's good to be reminded. Because we can drift. And I just want to tell you this. This first if, if you've've if you've never been per in person or online watching if you 've never been water baptized, I pray that you would you would consider that. maybe you've been baptized when you were younger and now that you're older there's some ch- a great change that has happened in your life you're not getting water baptized into a denomination into a church membership you're being water baptized and recognized as person who was now following jesus but we have a way to do that here uh we have a way to baptize folks so i want to encourage you whether in person or online take a moment if you want to get water baptized let us know we have connect card at the back connect card online you can just check that box i want to be water baptized and we'll get that and we will follow up with you and we'll make that happen i promise you it will it will, it will not be in a freezing uh, pool in the winter time okay We'll make it as warm as we can indoors here. Maybe you're wondering, should I ever get baptized again? What's the deal? When I was uh, a youth pastor in Memphis, one of my later responsibilities at the church was to do the water baptisms. I was in charge of that. One day, it was it was Baptism Sunday, and we had, you know, a, a, a decent list of people who had signed up to get baptized. And we had changing rooms and swimming trunks and towels and stuff to get ready for these folks. It was about a dozen or maybe a dozen and a half of people who had signed up to get baptized. And we were in the middle of baptizing people. And you could just feel the energy in the air. The, the presence of God was so strong. People were, you know, giving their story about this and about that, what God did here, what God did there. And we were baptizing them left and right. And, and then all of a sudden, about halfway through that baptism day... Uh, that time, people started getting out of their seats. It's about a 3,000-seat auditorium. People started getting out of their seats and coming to the back to meet with the folks in the back and letting them know, hey, I want to get baptized. I need to get baptized. I must be water baptized because God has done so much for me recently that I want to go public in my faith with Him. I can't tell you how many people we baptized that day, but I can honestly tell you this. It was over 100 people. It was well over 100 people. I was so exhausted Jeremy, when I got home that day, I didn't. I slept for like three hours after baptizing people, and this is one of those baptism tanks where you actually got inside with the people, you know. And it's like it's pretty big, as big bigger big as this rug I'm standing on. And uh, by the time we got done baptizing people, that water started out clean. That water was filthy. It was this a, a picture? I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And as they went in and they come out of that water, it was a sign, a symbol, a picture. I'm not who I used to be. I am different. I am changed. And today you might be standing here, sitting here, or watching online saying, look, I, I'm not who I used to be. I know I'm not who I'm supposed to be. But I'm, a f- I'm way down the line from where, where God, when God first rescued me. And I just want to encourage you, if you'd like to be baptized, let us know. Communion. One of these days, we're going to, it's going to break, and we're going to be able to do it all together again in person, like the real, the real way, I guess you could say. But we do have a game plan. Starting the last Wednesday of the month, starting in this month of September, we're going to be creating an online gathering service. Online only, you can watch from home wherever you are. And in that time, we're going to have the opportunity to take communion together as a church. So be looking for that. You'll hear more about that next week. But I do want to tell you and let you, let you know that that's on the horizon. If you're able to stand, I'd love for you to stand. I'd love to pray with you as we close out today. Let's just bow our heads. Oh, God. Oh, God. Thank you so much for today. Lord, thank you so much for this, this hour we've had. And subjects like ba- water baptism and, and communion, I, I know it can sound like we just learned that already. Lord, today may we be reminded of the day you marked our life. You marked it with purpose. You mark it with provision to let us know, hey, you do what we can't do. And you mark our life continually. Then when we come to the table to eat the bread and drink from the cup, we're reminded. You want our life to be affected by you. You are our Savior. You are our Savior. And Jesus, I pray that anyone who doesn't know you, who may be in person or watching, will come to the knowledge of you. We just pray that you would forgive our sins. Lord, we come to you and we repent and say, God, we want to turn from our old ways and look to you in a new new way to live for you and we ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit give us new life give us new direction and Lord make your purpose clear in our life that we would not wander aimlessly through this life but we would live for the glory of you we honor you today and we thank you for the reminder that you love us that we belong to you And that you are pleased with us. May that be a reality in each and every one of our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.